Welcome to episode 16 of The First 40 Miles. If you're new to backpacking, or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is The First 40 Miles. Today on The First 40 Miles, the top five ways to prevent muscle soreness on a backpacking trip, our new feature, Ready for Adventure, we'll see if TSA is ready for our backpacking trip to Tucson, Arizona. The backpack hack of the week, you'll learn the French word for pony, then we'll answer a real listener question in the backpackers Q&A, and we'll wrap up the show with a little trail wisdom from an American poet who must love you very much. All this, and that's about it, today on The First 40 Miles. Well, we wanted to give all of our listeners a little heads up. You're probably doing some trip planning already because spring is coming. If you haven't planned something for April already, we wanted to let you know about the opening weekend of National Park Week. That's April 18th and 19th of 2015, and the entrance fee is waived to all national parks. So, Josh, do you have a national park on your bucket list? Banff. Wait, say that again. That's... I know it's so fun to say. Banff. Yeah, it's, it's not a U.S. national park. What is it? Parks Canada, I guess is what it's called. <laughs> is that what they call it? Uh, yeah. So anyway, it's, it's the Canadian Rockies. There's this one picture. It's got like an old-fashioned train, and then you see this building that looks like a castle, some kind of lodge or something. And then you see nothing but forest, mountains, river. I mean, it's just amazing. Sounds magical. But in, in terms of U.S. national parks, um, I got to say, uh, I think our favorite trip of all time was the one we took a few years ago to Yellowstone. So that's checked off the list, although I'd be happy to go back there again. And for me, I think uh, one that I really want to get to someday, Yosemite. Yeah, definitely. That's on my list, too. Well, our country has 405 national parks, and of those 405, actually only 133 charge an entrance fee. But on April 18th and 19th, you kind of have the range of all of the national parks that you can go to and get into any of them for free. Cool. So visit the show notes for this episode. It's the first 40 miles, episode 16. We'll uh, have a link in there that will uh, get you to all of the national parks in the U.S. You know, we are pretty blessed in America to have beautiful national parks. Although, as I was browsing around the other day, I did see an article on Yahoo called The Nation's Worst National Parks. And in the best comeback ever, uh, the morning after that article was published, the Department of Interior came out with a rebuff that showed just these amazing photos from those top five worst national parks. They were absolutely exquisite photos. Yeah, it's just stunning. Well, it's happened to all of us. You wake up the next morning after a day of hiking and your body just aches. Is the suffering preventable? Well, we think so. And here are our top five ways to prevent muscle soreness on your next backpacking trip. So the number one way is to do a shakedown hike before your trip. Now, the important thing here is to uh, make sure you do that shakedown at least a couple days in advance so that you give yourself some recovery time. So what happens on the shakedown hike is you uh, stress those muscles. Then they need a couple days to rebuild 
and as they rebuild, they're stronger in the end. So if you just uh, time things right, you do your shakedown hike, stress those muscles, that triggers them to rebuild stronger, and you're ready to go for the real trip a couple days later. The number two way to prevent muscle soreness on your next backpacking trip would be to stretch. Now after about 15 or 20 minutes on the trail, maybe when you're ready to take your first water break, stop, take off your pack, and do a full body stretching routine. Now the reason you would want to do that 15 to 20 minutes into the hike instead of before you even start walking is because you want to give your body a chance to warm up. And once your body is warmed up, your muscles will stretch easily without injury. And stretching is important not only on the trip, but after you get home as well. The number three way to prevent muscle soreness on your next backpacking trip is to remember that protein is the building block of tissue. Make sure that you plan protein into your meals before your trip, during your trip, and after your trip. So some great examples of protein would be beans, tuna, chicken, beef jerky, and then along with that protein, you also want to remember to hydrate. Make sure that you're drinking enough water to match that protein. The number four way to prevent muscle soreness on backpacking trips is to remember vitamin C. Now vitamin C is already in lots of drink mixes that you may be taking with you on the trail, like Tang or maybe some of the electrolyte drink mixes. It's actually essential for the restoration of collagen and collagen helps rebuild muscle tissue that's been broken down. You know, one of the funny things that I've noticed is sometimes on the trail, food tastes a lot better than it does at home. And I remember on one backpacking trip in particular, I just remember being in love with Tang. You know, that astronaut drink, and I just thought it was the best thing ever. Well, when I got home, I had some Tang, and it just wasn't as amazing as I remembered it being on the trail. So I don't know. It's another one of those backpacker phenomenons. Yeah, I think so. The kids love the tang oh, yeah. anywhere. But. They'll drink anything with sugar. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the number five way to prevent muscle soreness on backpacking trips is to rub your muscles with Arnica salve. Sierra Sage makes a really nice Arnica salve that's really great for backpackers to use on those sore spots. It seems like everyone's sore spots are different. Mine are always the calves. That is my number one sore spot. So I would use this on my calves. Maybe when I got into camp, it would be a good, just like a little ritual. Every time I get into camp, just rub down my calves with Arnica salve, elevate my feet and relax. So this is just a good all around first aid item that you can keep in your pack. So is it just me or is salve one of those words that just feels weird to say? S-A-L-V-E. <laughs> Do you want to say solve? Well, kind of. I, well, so I looked it up in the dictionary. And uh, Oxford says there's only one way to say it, salve. But Merriam-Webster, on the other hand, give you four options. So you can go with salve or solve or salve. Are you serious? It's kind of a unique <laughs> one. Or solve. Let's just call it ointment. Yeah, that works for me. Arnica ointment. Okay. We'll see if we can get Sierra Sage to change it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Here's our cheesy medical disclaimer. I am not a doctor, and I am not dispensing medical advice. I'm just sharing general information that's relevant to backpacking. And I'm not a doctor either. 
Well, if you have methods that you use to prevent muscle soreness on backpacking trips, we'd love to hear what works for you, and we promise not to sue you for dispensing medical advice without a license. Next up for today is Ready for Adventure. What we do is we walk through a hypothetical backpacking trip. We talk about the situation and what we would do to prepare for that trip and to, you know, actually go out on the trip. And it gives you an opportunity while you're listening to kind of play along and decide what you would do to get ready for and go on that trip. So Heather, are you ready for adventure? Heck yes. All right. Well, here's the plan. You're heading to Tucson, Arizona for a two-day business trip. Now you've wanted to do some exploring in the desert, and so you've got the perfect opportunity with this trip to Arizona. So the idea is you're going to go to your business meeting for a couple days, and then you're going to tack on an extra night to do an overnight backpacking trip. We'll let everyone know you've already found a section of trail that's called the Gabe Zimmerman Trail. It's actually part of the Arizona Trail. Yeah, the Arizona Trail looks amazing. It actually was recently completed back in December 16th of 2011, and it's about an 800-mile trail, and it goes through some of the most amazing and beautiful parts of Arizona. It really gives you a sampling of the entire state. All right, so your plan is that section of the Arizona Trail called the Gabe Zimmerman Trail. You'll head north for four miles. Uh, It goes to Colossal Cave Mountain Park. So you've found a place to stay the night and then four miles back out the next day and you catch your flight home. What are you going to do to prepare for this trip, especially considering that you have a flight to Arizona, you know, to get there? Since this is a short business trip and a short backpacking trip, I'm probably going to bring a 40 to 45 liter pack so I can use it as a carry-on. I think anything bigger than that is probably going to not be welcome on the airplane. And then what I'll do is just keep my nicer business clothing and, you know, if I bring makeup and things like that, I'll keep that separate in the pack so I can take it out when I go on my backpacking trip. Then I'll just keep my other gear in the pack. Sounds good. So how heavy do you think the airline will allow your carry-on pack to be? I think the rule is 50 pounds for a carry-on, right? Yeah, I actually looked at Delta Airlines and was really surprised to hear that it was more like 85 pounds. Really? Yeah. I mean, you would never take that heavy of a pack on an overnight backpacking trip. So I guess you'll be fine. So as far as what I'm going to put in my pack, I'll probably take a small two-man tent maybe just a sleeping bag liner or a fleece sleeping bag. And of course, my 10 essentials, which will include sunscreen and sunglasses. So let's think about the 10 essentials for a second. And uh, and I'm thinking right now about TSA. You've got knife, uh, fire starter, matches, or lighter. You said sunscreen, so you've got, like, is that a gel or a liquid? What do you think you can get through TSA? Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I actually forgot about the matches. I, I I haven't looked that up to see if TSA even allows matches. I never carry matches in my purse. It might be one of those things that's better to just uh, pick it up at a convenience store or at the hotel. There, um, I would definitely pack my bandana to keep cool and my wool buff just to keep my hair from getting dusty and to keep dust out of my mouth. I'm not sure how windy it's going to be there in the desert, but uh, I'd like to just be prepared. And as far as food goes. I won't pack food with me 
to Arizona, I'll just buy it on the way out of town and make sure I get like a package of bagels, cream cheese, maybe some pepperoni, a couple of the Justin's almond butter packets. And on this little trip, I'd be more likely to pack things like an apple or fresh snap peas just because I can afford the weight. Yeah, I think that's a smart way to go since you'll be traveling on the airlines and it's just an overnight trip uh, that you just plan to go stoveless. Uh, so that cuts out a lot of logistics. And then you just pick up food that's basically ready to eat. And as you said, because it's just an overnighter, you have the luxury of being able to throw in some of those less calorie dense items like, like fruit. Okay, so you're going to be alone on this hike. What do you do to kind of um, to make sure you stay safe? My family's going to know where I am. I'll check in with them. I'll be just right outside of Tucson. So it's not really a remote area or a long trip. So the risk is actually pretty low on this trip. Then I'll make sure to just kind of sketch out where I'll be, what I'll be doing, how long I'll be gone, when I'll be back, you know, the miles that I'll be covering and just stick that underneath the car seat so people know what's going on. And you can check out the cell coverage map for your uh, mobile phone carrier. Uh, before you get there, just to be sure what kind of coverage you'll have. That's a great idea. All right, so the Gabe Zimmerman Trail, uh, there's no camping allowed along that stretch of trail. So I understand that you've identified that Colossal Cave Mountain Park is the place where you can camp. The camping there is only $5, and it does have facilities there, so you can use composting toilets, they have water spigots outside, and then they have caves that you can go into. So it's not your typical backpacking trip where you're going to be really super remote. This is going to be more like I'm going on a walk for four miles, camping at a, a nicer facility, and then walking back out. So pretty easy. Um, but as far as what I need to bring or what I need to pack, it's always a great idea to pack some extra cash, even if you think you're not going to be spending anything on the trail. Sometimes if you stay at a site, it's going to cost to camp there. You may need money for rides. But it's always just a smart idea to have small bills so that you can pay for these little fees that could come up on the trail. Yeah, that's great. And you don't stick a $100 bill in your pack, but a few smaller denominations, fives, ones, maybe even tens. And now you've got something you can use. So late March, temperatures in Arizona... Typically, they're in the upper 70s for the highs, uh, lows in the 50s. I mean, this sounds really ideal weather for backpacking. Yeah, this is prime time in Arizona, in at least southern Arizona, because the temperatures are so lovely. So I definitely leave my down puffy at home, but I still want to be prepared, so I'll bring a little fleece jacket just in case. Yeah, and it, traveling from one state to another or one region to another, I mean, that's one of the big challenges, right? When you, you look out the window and, and it's so hard to visualize that in just a couple hours, you're going to be in a place that has completely no connection to the place you're in now as far as the weather goes. I, I, I was talking to my friend Rogelio, who lives in Arizona, and he was asking about a um, a trip that we took a few weeks ago out to the Oregon coast. And I said, oh, it was wonderful. It was 60 degrees out. And he said, is that warm? I said, yeah, yeah that's January? warm. <laughs> uh, and he said, well, it's been in the 80s yeah. here. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, that's uh, that was in um, February. It may even be warmer than the 70s when you get there in March. Well, the other thing to think about is water. What's the availability of water along this trail? 
uh, the water sources are not reliable. And so I'm going to need to pack in enough water to get me through those four miles. I'm guessing probably about two liters. I also need to take into account that most of this hike will be exposed. I'm not going to be under the shade of trees, so I'll need to drink frequently, drink when I arrive at Colossal Cave Mountain Park, and then make sure that I refill for the next day. Since it's not going to be too hot, looks like the temperatures are going to be pretty, pretty comfortable. I'm not going to worry too much about electrolyte replenishing. I'll just probably stick with water. Well, it's really nice that you have that reliable water source that you you know is available at the end of the trail at, at Colossal Cave. So yeah, two liters to get you through the four miles should be really double what you'd need, which is a nice safety margin. And then you're able to fill up and you know you've got, again, enough water to get out the next day. One of the great things about researching trails online and reading those trail reports is that you can find amazing amounts of information that maybe was harder to get 20 or 30 years ago. You can look up any trail that you're going to be on and find what the water sources are and how reliable those water sources are. So it's the desert. It's probably going to be kind of dusty and your flight leaves the next evening. So you're going to be sitting next to someone who knows who on the airplane. Uh, any thoughts about hygiene? Like how, how do you make the transition back from backpacking to flying on the airplane? Um, well, I I asked Colossal Cave Mountain Park if they had shower facilities and they don't. So make sure that at least I'm, you know, my face is clean, my hands are clean, I'm wearing deodorant. It's all, it's all good that way. And then I'm definitely going to change back into the clean clothes that I packed for the business trip. All right, so just for kicks, I'm going to throw in a little kink in your trip. Let's say that you're done with the backpacking trip and you're going through security at the airport and the TSA pulls out your tent stakes. Now, your tent stakes were fine going to Arizona. How do you react? I could ask them if it's too late to check my bag because I assume those things could just go through checked baggage. Sure. like that would be fine. I could just roll with the punches and give them my tent stakes and, you know, move on. Yeah. <laughs> um, but my third option, I think, which would be kind of fun, is let them have the tent stakes, but then contact the tent company, tell them my story, and see if they could help me out with some tent stakes. Well, that sounds like a creative solution. And I think they'd love to hear the story, too. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, it sounds like a great trip. And of course, now you've really got me pining to go on a backpacking trip uh, the next time that I take a business trip. I have to tell you, this trip was so much fun to plan. I kind of looked at some other trails along the Arizona Trail, or I guess sections of the Arizona Trail. This trail actually has a nice parking lot. It's a short trail. It's going to get me out to see some of that beautiful Arizona desert. And I'm really looking forward someday to actually taking this trail. Right. It's just a hypothetical trip for us right now. But uh, you do all that research and you get excited and you want to go. Well, what do you have for the backpack hack of the week? Well, the French have known about the benefits of using a bidet for years. There are actually significant benefits to this system of hygiene. So basically, it offers better personal hygiene and cleaning on the trail. You'll reduce the impact that you have on the environment because you're actually using less toilet paper. You won't have to carry baby wipes, which, by the way, are not compostable. Using a bidet is actually better for your skin and more comfortable than the multi-wipe method. <laughs> 
it's a tradition started in France. Do you need any other reasons other than that? It's just <laughs> cool. It's French. I don't know if that sounds appealing to me yet. Uh, you've made a good case. Now, maybe our listeners are wondering why in the world they would ever want to have this experience on the trail. If you've had a bout of food poisoning and you're running to the woods a bunch of times to use the bathroom, you're going to have a lot less irritation if you use a bidet first. Okay, so back to the opening of today's show. What does this have to do with a pony? The word bidet means pony in French. If I decided to try the bidet on the trail, how would I make it? Well, first of all, it's really simple. It's a one ounce plastic cylinder bottle with a flip top pour spout, and you can get a pack of 12 for $6 on Amazon. So basically, you're just squirting yourself off. That's all it is. And I would recommend this for multi-day trips when hygiene really kind of becomes more of an issue the longer you're out. I wouldn't take it on an overnighter. You're going to take that one ounce plastic cylinder bottle, and when you're ready to use it, fill it up with water, then squirt away. Does that explain it well enough? Yeah, I think so. And then when you're done, just uh, empty it out so that it's not going to leak in your pack. Well, let's move on to the backpacker Q&A. One of our followers on Twitter, his name is Mike, uh, he asked us for some tips about overnight backpacking trips with kids. There's lots to say, but we'll kind of focus this answer on the, the motivational aspects of backpacking with kids. On the first backpacking trip that we took with our kids, um, at the very end of the trip, after they were kind of tired and kind of ready to ready to wrap it up, I asked my 10-year-old if he wouldn't mind writing up a little trail report of his experience. I think I offered him $10 to write it up, and he looked at me and said, I know exactly what I would write. This was my first backpacking trip, and I hope that it will be my last. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And after that trip, I was kind of hoping it would be his last backpacking trip. On the very next hike that we did as a family, we were having more of that same attitude. And then we walked into this clearing that had an abandoned tarp and a bunch of sawdust and fallen trees, things like that. And he got this look on his face like it was Christmas morning. And he turned to me and said, Finally, we're doing something that's fun. And it was at that moment that I realized that every child, every person, has their own motivation on the trail. For our 10-year-old, he found happiness in knowing that we were going to do something productive. For our other children, it's something completely different, something different for each one of them. And those are things that we've really had to discover along the way. Yeah, our daughter likes to listen to books on her MP3 player as she hikes along. That's just a great way for her to pass the time while the boys goof off. Our 12-year-old loves running. So for him, the hike itself, that part of the backpacking trip, is great. He loves it. Uh, He likes to cover the miles. And then our 7-year-old, I don't know, he's just always happy. Yeah, he's just, he's our hill hiker. Yeah. So once you discover that spark, you then have the opportunity to fan that little spark until it's a flame. Whatever it is, it could be the food on the trail, setting up a hammock, finding something to whittle, maybe collecting firewood, or building a small dam in the creek. 
audiobooks or singing songs or playing games on the trail, whatever it is that's fun, take that little piece, the thing that you know that they love, and make sure that you include it on your next hike or backpacking trip. We'll leave you with a little trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, American poet Mary Oliver. If you have ever gone to the woods with me, I must love you very much. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you liked this podcast, like us on Facebook or write a review on iTunes. We'll see you next time on The First 40 Miles. I would go stoveless on this. Are you typing while I'm talking? Are you kidding me? (laughs) Awkward silence. I don't know. (laughs) I have no idea. You sit on it. That's (laughs) fine. That's what Wiki said. You sit sit on on it. it.